Hey guys, welcome along to Scheme Me Up Body. Uh, so far, we're going good with us two uploads a week. Sorted deal, uh, although it is getting pretty late at night, so uh, please forgive me if concentration is a little low. This is Star Trek Insurrection, and uh, this is where the next generation movies started to lose steam. Like, I don't think this was insanely well received by the fan base although I am quite fond of it I enjoy this movie pretty much uh, but it does actually just feel like a big big Star Trek episode it doesn't feel really like a, a movie of the next generation but uh, you know I just I don't know I just kind of feel that the the production value of the next generation was so high like it wasn't a kick in the backside off like a, like a movie standards for the the series itself but it is what it is um this was released 1998 uh it was directed by jonathan frakes once again the ninth film in the series uh the third to star of the next generation cast um in this movie we get a bit more action from the Enterprise E in this movie. <clears throat> There's a familiar face in here too, along with, gosh, he's not even listed on here. But there was an old show that I used to watch as a kid. Now, let me just pull up the name for this guy because uh, the show was absolutely brilliant uh, if you've never seen it before it was called Hard Castle and McCormick and uh, gosh what's the dude's name that was in it that's going to annoy my happiness now unless I can actually find this um, the series itself starred Brian Keefe Daniel Hugh Kelly Daniel Hugh Kelly is in Star Trek Insurrection and as I say 98 and uh, the series Hardcastle McCormick that I was thinking of was probably gosh has to be 1982 or 1983 like I was I was born in 79 so I was a small small child when that series was out but whenever I seen this movie Star Trek Insurrection and this guy's face pops up in it I'm just like, and for years, I just couldn't put my finger on who it was until we actually watched Hardcastle and McCormick on uh, DVD a couple of years back, and I was like, yes, that's that's the dude. Um, but anyway, back to Insurrection. Uh, I'm just going through some of the stuff that I've actually found researching this. Paramount Pictures sought a change of pace after Star Trek Force Contact. Uh, Michael Piller was asked to write the script for the next installment which was created from the story ideas of Piller and producer Rick Berman. The story's forced drafts featured the Romulans and the Sons, the Sona and Baku were introduced in a, a third draft. So the, like the two alien races it's actually and the forefront here it was the third draft before they were even thought of. Um, 
after they reviewed the script, Pillar revised it and added a subplot involving a romantic interest for Picard. The film's ending was further revised after test screenings. The special effects depicting outer space were completely computer generated. That's no shock right there. Uh, a first for a Star Trek film. The Baku village was fully built on location at Lake Sherwood, California, but suffered weather damage. Sets from the television series Star Trek Voyager and DS9 were used and redressed. You know, funny, now that I'm actually reading that there, that actually is fairly obvious. Um, uh, what else have we got? Uh, Insurrection was the highest grossing film on its opening weekend, making 22.1 million in the United States and Canada. The film went on to gross 70.2 million in the United States and Canada, and an additional 42.4 million in other territories. Uh, for a theatrical run of 117.8 million worldwide. Critical responses to the film were mixed. Yes, that's what I was kind of thinking there. Uh, the directing of Freaks was praised while other critics compared it to an extended episode of the television series. That's just exactly what I said at the beginning of this podcast. Um, right, let's get into the plot. Uh, data temporarily transferred to an undercover mission observing the peaceful Baku people. While on the planet, he malfunctions and reveals the presence of the Joint Federation Sona Task Force observing the Baku. Um, if you're not aware, if uh, Starfleet feels that a, a race of people is pre-warp, it's like what we said in uh, First Contact, that's uh, how they, the Vulcans made First Contact with humanity, is whenever they broke the warp, barrier so pre-warp societies the federation tends to stand back from it but in this episode it's not unheard of throughout the series either this happens that they're actually undercover on the planet you know just taking everything in investigating exploring as you do in star trek but did it goes mad and uh literally just unmasks the presence of the Federation on this planet. Um, Admiral Doherty, who is pretty decent in this film, very good character, he contacts the USS Enterprise to obtain data's schematics for recovery purposes, but adamantly states the presence of the Enterprise is not needed. The crew decides to ignore these orders, and takes the Enterprise to capture Data. Picard becomes suspicious of Doherty's insistence that the Enterprise is no longer needed and orders the cause of Data's malfunction to be investigated. The crew discovers that the Baku possess advanced technology but have rejected its use to live simpler lives. So the Baku are actually, they've had the warp barrier long before the Federation came across them and they just like you know screw this shit and we're not we're not interested in you know exploring the stars like this planet we're on is like a garden of Eden essentially and we discover that there's rings around the planet that have a, a rejuvenation effect 
on the inhabitants of the planet. So a lot of the people that actually live there, even though they look to be in their mid-30s, early 40s, you know, whenever they first came there, they could have been in their late 50s, early 60s. You know, just the, the planet shrinks have a way of regenerating people on the planet. Uh, the Suna are a decrepit race who rely on medical technology to prevent death. Their excessive use of cosmetic surgery gives them a mummified appearance. Uh, the Enterprise crew also begins to experience the rejuvenation effects of the planet. Geordi the Forge, he actually gets his eyesight back in this movie but he knows you know this is only a temporary thing uh you know, once we leave the planet the, the effects will disappear and they'll be blind again uh commander Riker and counselor troy rekindle the long abandoned relationship but of course we know what happens in the next movie they end up getting tying the knot and you know star trek picard like 20 odd years later we see them again they're still all happily loved up and whatnot and have kids and all that sort of good stuff uh, Picard develops a romantic relationship with the Baku woman. Uh, Anij <laughs> Dita and Picard discover a submerged cloaked Federation ship containing a gigantic hollow deck set up to recreate the Baku home planet and their village. Uh, Dita's malfunction stems from a Sona attack, the result of his accidental discovery of the vessel. So that's why Dita went crazy at the beginning of the movie he discovered that the the federation were in cahoots with the sona to uh relocate these people off the planet and take it for their, themselves uh picard confronts doggerty and learns the top federation officers colluded with the sona to deceptively move the baku to the ship forcibly re relocate them to another planet allowing the particles to be collected on a mass scale from the the rings of the planet have to apologize i keep forgetting to turn my phone on the silent before I start recording um Doherty orders the enterprise to leave uh picard retorts that the the medical benefits of the particles does not justify Doherty's plans for the baku and it violates the prime directive picard you know, Ray, after first contact, Picard's behaviour and first contact and insurrection here, very, very Kirk-like. Their meeting definitely had a lasting effect on Picard throughout the movies. Uh, Picard's joined by some of the crew to help the Baku escape from being abducted, while Riker takes the Enterprise to a transmission range. There's a... To get to this planet, there's a thing called the Briar Patch, and it's very, very difficult to navigate starships through. You can't communicate through us here, so they have to get the Enterprise out to actually communicate the Starfleet to see what's happening. Uh, the Sona send robotic probes to locate and capture the fleeing Baku. They sort of these probes come down like drones and uh, these people are running trying to hide uh, these they fire off these trackers so once any of the, the people are hit by these trackers they can be transported to the the ship for re relocation that's a big big word for this time of night please forgive me i have i'm terrible at speaking at the best of times but see whenever i'm 
tired, needing sleep, game over, guys. Absolute disaster, train wreck, uh, disgrace altogether. Um, <laughs> uh, the Sona leader uh, convinces Doherty to allow two Sona ships to attack the Enterprise. Riker defeats the attacking ships. And the Enterprise escapes uh, for the first time. I mean, you just know Jonathan Frakes was directing this episode because whenever we get into the the encounter with the ships, whenever Enterprise has to defend itself against the two ships, Riker decides he's going to fly the Enterprise, and he presses this button on this little like Eddie's joystick comes up, and he's flying the Enterprise like a like a video game. Brilliant. It's just, that's bubblegum for the green brain, guys. That's Star Trek. Probably not at its finest, but it was a very, very enjoyable movie. Um, Riker defeats the attacking ships. Enterprise escapes. Their plan exposed. Raffalo insists... I am terrible at names. Sorry, guys. Uh, the leader of the, the Sona... <laughs> He insists upon harvesting the radiation source immediately. Picard, Anij, and several back who are transported as prisoners on the Sona ship. Picard reveals to Doherty that the Sona and the back who are the same race. Uh, they gave up their existence a century earlier to embrace the use of technology. Uh, they attempted to seize power but failed and the Baku elders exiled them from the planet denying them the rejuvenating effects of the rings so basically these two races are the one race and that's a, a family feud essentially is what's happening in this movie uh, the Sona developed an artificial and imperfect means to extend their lives at the cost of disfigurement and now you seek revenge <coughs> Doherty gets killed and he backs out of the plan and moves to finish the collection uh, while Picard is prepped for execution he convinces the disillusioned Sona to help him stop their leader Picard masterminds a ruse to transport himself and the leader of the Sona and his bridge crew to the hollow ship and disable the harvester this big thing open space is just ready to suck the goodness out of the rings so uh, these guys aren't stupid they discover this plan and at the end of the movie Picard and the leader of the Sona are on this harvester in space and uh, Picard hits the self-destruct button but trapped on board along with this guy facing imminent death and there's a great little shot of the Enterprise coming in to save him at close range, they're gonna come in. This thing's exploding from basically from the back side of this thing to the front of it. And as Picard standing inside it, he's seeing the explosion getting closer and closer to him, and then outside the harvester you see Enterprise coming swooping in and it flies across and at the last second Picard is beamed out and the other guy gets fried. <laughs> Uh, the remaining Sona that are left behind after their leader falls, they're forgiven, they're welcomed back into the Baku, and Picard arranges a meeting between uh, a mother and a son 
that have been separated for years because he was a separatist to these people. Uh, the crew takes a moment to enjoy their rejuvenated selves before returning to their previous mission. That's where the film kind of finishes off. As I say, guys, Star Trek Insurrection, it's one of these films where I think if you go into it with the mindset of wanting something that's going to be on par with Star Trek First Contact or indeed the, the Wrath of Khan, you know, the, the heavyweights in the series, you're not going to get it with uh, Insurrection. Uh, there's a fantastic part at the beginning of the series, series? At the begin close to the beginning of the movie, when they're trying to capture data and uh, Picard and Worf are on a shuttlecraft and, and Data he's in another shuttlecraft and like he's defending the planet basically from intruders he's he considers the Federation and anybody that's involved with the Federation the enemies at this point because basically the malfunction that he had just left pretty much his conscience and control the right or the wrong decisions and the federation 100% in the wrong in this movie and data is you know flat out federation ship enemy destroy it and the way that Picard and Worf actually take him down is hilarious because uh, Picard and data prior to data leaving the enterprise they were on the hollow deck and they were doing a recital of a song which completely escapes me right now I really should have a British tar is a soaring sore as free as a mountain bird you know that tune whatever you the heck you call that there I've got it in my head uh, so we'd be carrying warfare in the one ship and Data's in the other one they start singing across the the intercom to Data and Data does that little head tilt thing like a little lost puppy then he starts singing in the his own ship and that gives Worf and Picard time to kind of dock on his ship and uh, Worf is able to get on the data's bridge and take him down the comedy in this film pretty understated as is most in Star Trek but uh, when it happens it's 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 very very well done like like I enjoy the life out of this movie and you know there's very very few Star Trek films that I will intentionally skip if I'm on a a binge if I just take like every couple of years I'll just be like do you know what I'm going to watch all the Star Trek movies again. And I'd batter on through them. Like Star Trek the motion picture. Is always. Kind of a hard set. To get through. You know there's a lot of glory shots. Of Enterprise. And there's a lot of effect shots. Where just like. I probably said it. In the actual review for that movie itself. And, you know, I just felt like. The special effects team in that movie. Were just like. Yahoo look budget. Look what we can do. And uh, tore the backside right out of it. And uh, the film looks amazing. But, you know, if you you kind of cut down the stuff that you could tram out 
making a tighter cut, I'd say you could lose about 10 or 15 minutes out of the motion picture. But I won't skip that one. It'll be a hard set, I'll get through it. Everything with the original cast, I'll get through it. Uh, Generations, fantastic. And uh, First Contact, you know, there's no skipping over that one. I would say perhaps, even though it's a fantastic movie, The Undiscovered Country is probably the one that I would kind of skip over. Uh, it's not that I don't like that movie, it's just that, I don't know, It's the pacing of that film is just, you know, it just is, it's hard to say, guys. Look, that's all good stuff. You know, it's really, I thought I was going somewhere at that point, but now I'm really, really thinking about it. There is no Star Trek movie that I will not watch. Oh, dear Lord, I need to make bullet points before I start these reviews. Uh, talking about Star Trek and that. But uh, that's a great, great movie. But in the next review, we're going to be getting into Nemesis, which was, unfortunately, the movie that uh, derailed the franchise for a while. And uh, we'll get into that in the next episode. And I am actually going to have to sit down and watch that one properly before I talk about it again because in all honesty as I say I'm not skipping Star Trek movie especially if it's the original cast or indeed the, the next generation but I think probably four times I have seen the movie since it came out and that's only because it, uh, it came out at a time when I was fairly busy in life and just didn't get the opportunities to sit about and watch movies to the extent that I would really like to watch them you know I was actually uh, getting married and buying a house and doing all that sort of good stuff and then uh, to get into the kind of the personal side of things that went belly up and then the divorce and all that sort of stuff come and then the, the, uh, the drinking and the excessive partying started after that there not in celebration i have to say because uh <laughs> uh me and the ex-wife are actually in very 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 good terms these days but uh you know i don't want to be saying them you know we got divorced so what i started partying no, i don't want to say it at all just i didn't handle that divorce that well at all so movie watching and that sort of thing wasn't happening to the extent i would have liked to happen and unfortunately uh Nemesis came out during that time so I need to sit down over this weekend check out that movie 100% given that it was some fresh eyes a little bit better than this episode because uh, time kind of got away from me this evening and uh, in all honesty I was doing this review from memory more than anything else with a little bit of Wikipedia thrown in there for good measure so that's going to do it for this episode guys please bear with me when i find my feet in this i have been out of the game for a little too long and getting used to the audio only thing right now i'm finding pretty difficult because and you know, i have for years been making youtube videos talking crap to a camera and literally before i started this podcast I was doing a review of an old episode of Transformers Generation 1 for the, the YouTube channel, Here's Rotter's Reviews. 
and uh, fairly perfect in what I was saying. Don't know what it is when it's video and audio together. I'm pretty confident whenever it's just the audio on its own. I feel like I'm kind of thinking about what I'm saying a little bit too much. So bear with me when I find my feet. And if you are a Star Trek fan, you're going to get it all here. I intend to, when I finish all the movies, uh, to give you a little bit of a heads up of where we're going to go with this. I'm thinking, alright, I'm going to have to do the new Star Trek movies after Nemesis, uh, which of course, and that's something I just really found strange here whenever I was just looking at the list of the, the names back to back. The 2009 movie Star Trek was the first movie to be actually only called Star Trek. I kind of feel it's a little bit weird that that's a, a real thing. Considering the, the first movie was made back in the 70s. Star Trek the motion picture. You know, they could have quite easily called that movie Star Trek. But it is what it is, so we'll have to do that. Star Trek and Star Trek in the darkness. And Star Trek Beyond. I'll not say too much of that right now. But after the movies, I'm thinking, alright, I have already banked a good few, well, all the reviews in season one of Star Trek Picard. So I'm thinking, saying as Star Trek Picard leans very, very heavily into the events of Star Trek Nemesis, after we get through the movies, I'll, I'll bomb through that series. It's not that long. And then we'll. We'll get onto the next, you know, the original series, and then we'll go chronologically through everything. Uh, but as far as the new Star Trek stuff goes, I really don't know what way I'm going to do it. I kind of want to go in order, as I say, chronologically as well. But you know, it means all the new Star Trek stuff that's coming out will constantly be been pushed way, way back. You know, that'll be, gosh. You're going like two episodes a week. You could be talking maybe a couple of years before you get to the new stuff. But uh, it is what it is, guys. Uh, if you're a huge nerd, this is a place uh, for you to be. So please feel free to let me know how I'm doing. Have a suck, please. Don't be shy and let me know that I do indeed suck. I need to up my game a little bit and I'll do my best to do it for you. <laughs> And in all fairness, I do, I genuinely do know at this point, I could be a heck of a lot better for you. But uh, we'll get there. It's early days. I uh, hope you enjoy listening to this stuff as much as I enjoy making it for you. So guys, take care of yourselves, stay safe, and I will talk to you next Tuesday. This has been a production of Coins Edge Media. Thank you so much for listening.